live from the apocalypse. Did he just start the song with Prisoners of Azkaban? <laughs> this is state of the game. Uh, I am your host, Dano. If I was a garment, I would be the biggest pair of Jenkos you could imagine. Yeah. <laughs> the black Jenkos that made everyone suck their teeth and go, what is he trying to prove? That would be the garment that I am. Uh, I am joined as every week by my host, my co-host, Kay Diggy. Kay, if you were, if you were an item, a clothing item, you would be the kind of sweater that makes other people insecure about their sweater collection. <laughs> I like nice. it. The fly That's sweater that makes you doubt yourself. Like, you know, <laughs> I even wear a sweater, you know? Uh, so thank you for being here. Uh, and and we are joined by, humbly, we're going to call the Walter Payton of, of music journalism. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Old, old and retired? Walter Payton <laughs> was great because you watch those games and you'd be like, did Walter Payton make the entire defense tired? Like he averaged <laughs> three and a half a carry, but but the entire defense is tired because his willpower was on 10. You know, he was just maxed out. He wanted to win. And like John Morrison is the kind of historian that that digs as deep as needs to be. And always gets you where you need to go. Uh, I love it. And uh, had to have you talking about Black Thought Danger Mouse cheat codes because we have, like, you, re- you wrote one of the definitive things for Halfway House, uh, Halfway Books on the You Want More album. Yeah. And absolutely unbelievable. Everybody should check it out. Uh, Don Gumroad, and so yeah, thank you for being here. This has been a dream to have you. Yeah, thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. We will be joined shortly by Zilla Rocca, who is a wonderful rapper, a wonderful podcaster, and you can tell him I said a burgundy puma tracksuit of a person. <laughs> uh, so. We're, we'll we'll get that going, but cheat codes. I need people to to talk to me about cheat codes because I'm fascinated by this album. Uh, the more I listen to it, the more interesting it is to me. Uh, the more threads there are, so I wanted to start out and, and see how everybody feels about it. Yeah. Okay, you want to start or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, my initial impression is it, it didn't quite, it wasn't, it didn't quite uh, strike me. You know what I mean? Like it didn't, didn't resonate with me. And I don't, I don't know why, because both of the names associated with the project are excellent in themselves, you know, Danger Mouse uh, and Black Thought, but it didn't, like, it didn't really resonate with me. And like, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't like, memorable to me interesting interesting yeah john how are you how are you feeling about it so far yeah i kind of um came at it uh from a, a different uh frame of like anticipation mm. uh you know 
full disclosure, lifelong Roots fan. You know what I'm saying? I'm from Philadelphia, whatever. Um, but I was not so much and am not really that much of a Danger Mouse fan. Um, mm-hmm. I did not like uh, the Grey album as somebody who, you know, grew up on Blend Tapes, Ron G, DJ Juice, all of that stuff. Uh, I heard the Grey Tape, uh, the Grey album, and all of the uh, excitement around it, particularly excitement from rock journalists outside yeah. of hip hop. They yep. were like, oh, this is the greatest example of sampling ever. And it just, it was underwhelming for me. Mm-hmm. But with all of that, uh, Cheat Codes did surprise me um, because I, I found myself uh, really excited listening to it uh, with their chemistry, how uh, Danger Mouse's production really fit what Black Thought was doing. Um <laughs> There's there are certain aspects of uh, the way Black Thought rhymes uh, just on a technical level that kind of makes me miss the more melodic stuff like from the early Roots records. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I think that um, there's uh, something to be said about an overwhelming avalanche of technically precise rhymes <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> and that's that's very much uh what i feel from this record you know i thought it was dope uh i'm still listening and absorbing it and i've been trying to um do that with with records that i enjoy but you know that i think warrant more listening as opposed to being on this endless cycle of like new releases new releases new releases mm-hmm. so i've been trying to give this one uh, a lot more time and space and it has been revealing some things to me yes mm-hmm. i think that is that is a real important thing case i think the more you listen to the album the more you start to catch the 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 patterns the usage like to what i what, when i was looking at it because this is an album i read okay i pull up on genius and read as i'm listening you're right to catch stuff and the words that he's rhyming at the end of of the sentence are not that deep right but the the stuff that is being referenced is incredible like the the subject matter the vocabulary it Mm -hmm. it reveals itself more and more the more you listen to it i think it's really engaging in that way so let me ask for you two, for someone who is like new to the roots and new to Black Thought, what is the best way to listen to him? You mean like the, the best project? No, or... no, no. The best way to listen to like a Black Thought record. The space to put yourself in before to, yeah. to Oh, it. like the, uh, the approach of listening. Yes, yeah. the approach. Yeah, that's the okay. best way to say it. Dan, you want to? Yeah, wanna I mean, so... I and and I think the stream of thought like albums really started to put this in the 10 minute freestyle and all this latter day black thought post roots stuff has been to show you that so black thought isn't like one of the rappers that gets rich doing other stuff hangs up the rapping comes back occasionally black thought is sick for this like black thought lives for this. like 
Black Thought speaks in rapping. Been rapping so long, that's the communication method. So when I started to realize that, I was like, oh, the Black Thought albums I don't like are just when he's in a bad place. Hmm. You know? And he's communicating that through his rapping. Right? But when he's in a good place, it's different. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, so, yeah. I would say you have to engage from his... This is an addict. Like, this is someone addicted to doing this. Uh, and you you get to benefit from that that work that's been put in. You're, 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 sorry, I don't know if you guys can see me in my bed. Not yet. I'm on foot. Walking these South Philly streets, baby. Nice. <laughs> Strolling. You know what I mean? What's up, John? Still on, rock man? I I introduced you as, as a burgundy tracksuit of an individual. Burgundy puma track <laughs> of an individual. <laughs> Sleek I, and I, stylish. I can't, I can't be Filato. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> I, I appreciate it, though. I appreciate yeah. it. What's up? What's up, Keith? What's up, man? How you doing, man? Yeah. Yeah, Keith asked, a, Keith asked a really interesting question, Zilla. He asked, no. if you don't know the history of the roots, if you don't know the history of Black Thought, how should you like gear your approach to understand what black thought does well and be able to catch this stuff. What is the way you should listen to black thought? What is the way? Wow. Um, damn, this is like existential. Um, <laughs> hmm. I don't know, man. It's like, it's like just listening. He's uh, just rapping his rap. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Like you don't, I feel like if I never heard this dude in my life and I sat down and peeped him, I would just be like, okay, this this is, especially in 2022, like this is a serious high-level performing rap monster. Like I, who, who else would you compare him to if you never heard him before right now? You wouldn't even have a frame of reference. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's, he's like, it's funny. I was listening to him on the ride home. He's way better than Nas right now. He's way better than Jay. Yeah. Like, it's not even, like from that era, like he destroys Eminem, obviously. Um, <laughs> I mean, like to me, it's like him, Ray, Rock, Marcy, like dudes of that age being really, really ill. And he has an argument that he's like technically better than all of them. Shout out to you know Buster I mean? Rhymes on your Michi Darko. Buster Rhymes came and destroyed the feature on, on Michi Darko. Oh, yeah, yeah, Busta too. But, you know, but Busta's got so much exuberance where his thought is just like a Gatling gun. You know what I mean? Right, right. A Gatling gun. That is yeah. a great call. I was Monch, thinking... Monch comes to mind too. Ooh, Monch. Monch is a good mm -hmm. call. That's a good call. Yeah. No, I was thinking like Black Thought is kind of like beating on the lunch table, like rap. Like this is this is a guy who would, who could give you a killer song just beating his hand on the lunch table uh, because he's that technically precise with it. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think um, also with uh, thinking about uh, how to listen to uh, Black Thought as an MC, I've been thinking about this uh, for a while now, um, you know, because I've, I've talked to cats and cats are like, well, you know, he's just rhyming for the sake of rhyming or, you know, oh. this is this is just like he's a, it's just like bars, bars, bars. I think that a lot of times uh, folks want rap to be kind of beholden to a linear narrative 
when really if you look at like the history of rap and the totality of rap it it's really not that you know what i'm saying there's a reason why story raps and like topical raps stand out in particular you know what i mean here's a little story i got to tell about three bad brothers you know so well it started way back in history there's a reason why your brain kind of uh flickers at that in a particular way because they're giving you a very uh i clearly identifiable narrative right mm-hmm. most of rap is not that most of of rhyming is like oh political commentary oh i get money oh i get pussy oh i got bars you know what i'm saying it's yep. it's all of these different uh approaches to imagery all of these different references piled on top of one another throughout a verse and black thought does that a lot of a lot of times uh i feel like as a music journalist a lot of my uh uh comrades or like peers struggle with analyzing rap because they're looking for a linear narrative they're looking for linearity when the form the form obviously allows for that but it ain't primarily that. Sometimes it's, yo, we're rhyming and it's about the feeling of it and it's about references you can pull off, slick shit you can say, and a feeling that you can convey. So if I'm thinking about how to approach and really appreciate what this cat is doing, I think that abandoning the desire for a a narrative is the first thing that's got to go. If we're talking about how to listen to this shit. Yep. Yep. So you clear your mind, clear your mind. I would, and, but okay, where I got to at the end of it, because my mind structures these weird narratives as I take it in. Uh, I can give you a weird comp. And this, this speaks to John's point. John made a great point about the bars, bars, bars thing, right? Excuse just bars, bars, bars. The way to reframe that to me is one of my favorite albums of recent years. Uh, I've said this over and over again is the idler wheel by Fiona. Mm -hmm. The reason that's one of my favorite albums is because it is on a pure level about the joy of creative writing, Mm. joy of word selection of imagery, right? How fun it is to be creative. Cheat codes is is that exact like uh, there's a line from Belize that I think is is a great example where he says, "Cool the cross legged on a crate like it's elegant. Try to hate. I'm puffing up your face like a pelican. <laughs> cool the cross legged on a crate like it's elegant." I was like, he's just having fun. He's just having so much fun writing this music. That he's just like, this is great. I get to use all the words. I get to do all the stuff. It, you can feel the joy in, in, in him doing it, I feel. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because he doesn't need, like, he's at the point where he doesn't need to write. He's already has a steady gig. So, you know, all everything else is great. Uh, you know, like, hmm, that's, a, that's, a interesting, that's an interesting point. Yep. Cause you're right. It does. It does. I will say it. This is like the most experimental I've heard. Black thought. 
You know what I mean? He doesn't usually... Like, he doesn't usually rap over these types of, of beats. How did you feel about that, Zilla? Did you feel about... you feel the production was a, a different flavor? Or did you feel like this was his wheelhouse and it was teed up? You know, what's crazy is I just got done... I was running back all the streams of thought joints. Um, and with this one, the cheat codes, it's like, I respect it, but I don't love it. In terms of beats. And it's crazy because I love Danger Mouse. Um, like, he would be like a bucket list dude for me to work with one day because like I love what he did with the Black Keys and like Sparkle Horse and um, Broken Bells. Uh, the first first couple. Well, even, even the second Gnarls Barkley. But like the more I listen to the Chico's, I'm just like, something's a little bit off with the production and the mix. But there's still moments that are crazy. Like Aquamarine is amazing. Yep. When Ray pops up, when Ray pops up, I get goosebumps still. The Conway joints fired. The Michael Kiwanuka joints are stupid. But I was like listening to it and I was like, I don't know if John could tap into this. When I listened to the streams of Thaw joints with Salam Remy, um, Ninth Wonder, and then the third one, I forget who did most of the beats. I forgot like Schoolboy Q's on that project. So I was just playing it 20 minutes ago. Is that the one yeah, Sean Portugal C? Portugal the man and all is that. Is that what it is? Yeah, Portugal Was it Sean C that produced the, I, yeah, the third I one? I don't know who did the third one. But um, I remember Portugal the man popped up a lot. Um, But I was just like listening to it. I feel like Danger Mouse is hip-hop adjacent. Like, John, were, were you fucking with his like um his 12s? He was putting out like early, early 2000s. He was doing blends of like Radiohead and Exhibit. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember him doing plans. We, I remember we were talking like, about the uh, the gray album before you jumped yeah, on. Bef- yeah, before I'm not, that, a, like, not a fan, but okay. <laughs> now nah, I'm not I familiar. Was, I was grabbing them at like two records when I was in college, right? <laughs> yeah, and it was like Q. yeah, it was like paparazzi by exhibit over like Karma Police. This is way before mashups were yeah, a thing. Yeah. And then he had like the ghetto pop life joint with Gemini. And yeah. then we did the gray album. I was like, "Oh, that's that. That's that Danger Mouse." Dude. Um, and so I think I think like inherently, when I was listening to Chico's today again, what everything else thought is done solo. I was like, "Danger Mouse is like a very 1960s guy. Like that's his era, even though he wasn't born in the 60s. And he has like hip hop sensibilities, like with gorillas, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's like." I don't think he's like a b-boy or a dj Mm. or a beat maker but he understands records and he understands like arrangement right and like you know we'll pull jay's own on his records and CeeLo and doom and all that but even like the mouse and the mask which is a cool joint that's not like a go-to doom record for anybody yeah that's interesting moments with doom it's interesting that you said that Go ahead, go ahead. I don't mean to cut you. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no doubt. So I just think, like, and it's having you on as a producer, you know, and DJ. I just think, like, even the mix, like, thought isn't really the star of the record with the yes. mix. Like, the instrumentation is. And when you listen to the other streams of thought, thought's in the front, and then yeah. the beats are in the back. Mm-hmm. And so it, I, I like the ideas behind it. And when they hit, they work really, really well in Chico's, like the song that I talked about. But overall, it was like, like I said, like I respect it a lot. I just don't love it a lot. 
You know what I mean? But, but more because of Danger Mouse, which is shocking to me. What were you going to say, John? Yeah, um, a lot of that uh, that you said, Zilla, uh, kind of aligns with my own feeling uh, about Danger Mouse. I don't know anything about this cat's background, but uh, I trust my ear. And when I hear his beats, it kind of reminds me of when I hear like avalanches or some shit like that. I'm like, oh, OK, College yeah. College yeah. Shit. This is sonically <laughs> this is sonically cool. You know what I'm saying? But it ain't like I don't know. I don't want to like put anybody like on the outside of, you know, yeah, hip hop yeah, culture yeah. or anything. But there are a lot of cats who, you know, maybe like more like rock centric in their like cultural upbringing. Right. And then they learn how to chop shit up on like an NPC and they can make fly shit. But it it doesn't have like that kind of like there's there's some kind of um intangible feeling that you get mm. from like a motherfucker that makes beats me and small pro talk about this shit all the time <laughs> like you could tell a motherfucker that like grew up in this shit and and you know hip-hop is like their core you can kind of feel you know you can feel it in the music and a lot of what uh danger mouse is doing on this record you know uh there, there are certain moments that give me like uh, uh, like sixties R and B. There's certain records on here that give 60s. me. So you just said sixties. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Ennio Morricone kind of feeling in this, mm -hmm. and it it sounds gorgeous and it's dope, but it ain't like you know, production wise, some shit that I would be like, yo, this is crazy. Like it, it, right. it's dope. It's dope enough for uh, thought to shine, and and you know, I I do think that their chemistry works well together. Uh, but yeah, I, I hear, I think I'm hearing what you're hearing in the production, even yeah. though this is probably my, my favorite uh, danger mouse production totally that I've heard, yeah. but now that shouldn't count for much. Cause I haven't really been a fan of his. I think, yeah. you, know, you know what he's like, John, real quick. I think like from a production standpoint, Again, I I don't know his background and either in terms of like what he grew up fucking with, but when I listen to his choices, he seems more of like a. I'm not I'm not trying to pin this on like Prince Paul, or like Automator like that world, but it's like, it's more like a like a, a, a like a college art project versus like, yo, all I got is this, all I got is this fucking MPC and my dad's records. Yeah, and there's three dudes on my block that can spit. How do I make this happen for myself? Yeah, it's you different. Know, my, I'm trying to I'm trying to impress my older brother who can rap and make beats. Like, what do I do? And I I feel like his joints are like have always had like this very like ornate, like inoffensive, and like very melodic. Like always had a lot of strings in his his stuff. Always, which I like. Like there's like a classical vibe, like you said, Ennio Morricone, like a cinematic side to him. And so I think like that the Aquamarine joint on this one. Um, is that the name of Aquamarine? Where he's like, there's like the hook on it. It's like middle of the record. I don't want to say the name wrong, but um, that's like where it hits. But it's like he doesn't come from like when I listen to them other streams of thoughts, and I hear breaks, chop it, someone rechopping up the breaks again, and then the kick drums mean it. Like Danger Mouse kicks are weak. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like it's, he's not about like the thump. He's about like, and that's okay. He's about like the arrangement of things. 
I think he's more of like an arranger than he is like a beat head or like, yo, I'm going to triple stack my, my kick. And then I'm going to, you know, like use this ill snare. And then he's not like a technician. He's not like a large pro or something. You know what yeah. I mean? And that makes sense. Like he didn't have the, like Kanye as pop as Kanye is still gives you the thump, right? And like, yes. that's what he, and Kanye, like when he was in that stable of producers with Just Blaze, I mean, you had to bring the thump if you were going to beat out Just Blaze for the placement. So, mm-hmm. It it makes sense, um, and that's that's a big difference. I think that's a notable thing. Yeah, yeah, and I I would say I think that kind of ties to another like issue that I had with it. Like, I always associate Black Thought with like a sense of, like his essence to me is there's always like a sense of urgency and edge to him. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's always like for me like every time I hear him like he's got like a message that he has to get out that he wants to, that, you know, you've got to listen to that you need to hear not for his sake, but for your own sake. And Mm -hmm. I I just felt like Danger Mouse's production didn't really accentuate the essence of black thought to me. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the production was very beautiful and ornate, but it didn't like accent or accentuate what really makes black thought black thought to me do you think it kind of like smoothed out yes what he usually does yes and it and it took it there i didn't feel that that sense of urgency that edge that i usually associate with black thought look i I don't i don't want to point this out but i'm going to do it anyway when you listen to the beat for the doom joint right which is the same sample I used on my last album for Five Hour God, my album opener. Listen to how my man, the expert, did that beat, and then listen to how Danger Mouse touched the same exact sample. Uh, it's a, it's the same record, but my joint is knocking because the expert is a nasty hip hop ass producer <laughs> from overseas. Yeah, experts. And, and he loved it. Experts nasty, you know what I mean? And, but and he always digs. Well, I always liked his beats because he always picked cinematic pieces but he would always have like filthy breaks you know what i mean and he would have ill arrangements experts got incredible arrangements right and his beats are fun because it's like this is the intro this is the beat this is the bridge the hook like that's how you get the beats from him but when i so when i heard the the doom joint i'm like oh this is my song's dead forever now you know what i mean five dollar guy doesn't exist <laughs> doom is back <laughs> on his black <laughs> and i'm like but even his version's like a little hollow like a little just it's like filtered for no real reason like he filters a sample and not like in a a, a OVO way where you're like oh this is the lane he's going for no I think it, yeah I think I still, I've been a big fan of Danger Mouse as well so but I think the criticism makes sense in how I understand him right I understand Danger Mouse as sort of an amplica- amplification chamber Right mm. before the Black Keys knew Danger Mouse, they were like a cool Southern rock kind of band. Right after they knew Danger Mouse, they took over the world. Right, yeah, and yeah. like it was Danger Mouse figured that out. Like my, my, I have a theory. You know how like the White Stripes hate the Black Keys because they feel yeah. like off. Yeah. I feel like well, they also Danger- fucking quit. <laughs> I feel like it was Danger Mouse. 
Mm. Really, Danger Mouse came to them, listened to Attack and Release, and then listened yep. to the other stuff around it. Yep, like Rubber Factory and all that before. Yep, yeah. yep. If they don't sound. He, he like, gave them. He, but see, the weird yeah. part is, he gave Black Keys like an oomph and a thickness and a fullness they didn't have when it was just two dudes. Yep. And he he gave them like the fucking Chevy commercial type shit and like the arena rock joints and all yep. that. But then the weird thing is with with the with the Black Thought album, he goes the other way. Right. See what I'm saying? It's, it's not as it's not as not, it doesn't have that hit to that and that urgency that 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 that, that Diggy was talking about. And that, so that's like the weirdest piece of it. Where his thoughts like. Well, it's never going to scale back. You know what I mean? It doesn't, yeah. doesn't really I mean, matter. And where Danger Mouse is coming from now, he's coming off these series of Kiwanuka albums, right? Like mm. Michael Kiwanuka started as NPR coffee shop jazz. Yep. No, yep. Sorry, soul. Uh, mm-hmm. Like very minimalist, very sweet stuff. Mm-hmm. Danger Mouse got a hold of him. He was you know, platinum in the UK, winning BAFTA awards, like the big deal now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, made he made big, thick, seventies feeling albums, but like I said, amplification, right? We're making it yep. bigger, big screen. Um, so I think he was trying to do that for Black Thought. I was on an IG live with Nick Marsh, and I said, I think Cheat Codes is the least pop pop album of the year. Mm. It's definitely not. It's definitely not like a rap album to me, and it doesn't you know feel I mean? like a pop album either. It doesn't feel like it's it's only twelve or thirteen tracks. It doesn't have the ear markings of like a modern pop album, um, right? But it's not really underground either. It's kind of no, nah. except yeah. for the Conway joint where he just like goes into like the beat butcher like Derringer kit and just makes that. a Conway as beat. <laughs> I mean, that's, just, that's just the most Conway Griselda industry standard fucking style. Yeah, you know what I mean. But what, what was the, the very first single they put out months back that got people buzzing? What was it? I, I oh, uh, it no, no gold teeth. No, no gold teeth. Yeah. When I heard that joint, I was like, "This sounds like someone being like, oh, what if we put Black Thought on like a 1991 rap beat?'" Mm. You know what I mean? Where I was like, it sounded like an approximation of that lane and to me like that lane which john was saying earlier like the avalanches type of shit it's kind of like dust brothers where it's like we like rap but there's other stuff yeah that we like more but we're gonna put it on a rap bpm and break but it's it's really about the other stuff we like it's not really about rap only and i love the dust brothers but that's an accurate (laughs) (laughs) accurate assessment Right, like I, you know, yeah, like Paul's boutique, you know, Beck, all that shit. It seems like like Beck adjacent in terms of rap, mm. like Beck version of a rap album, like or like that that song. I mean, that one, the No Gold Teeth. That's interesting, because yeah, mm. Jason House is a pop entity, right? This guy right, produces Red Hot Chili Peppers. There's you no too. Way There's no way around. <laughs> yeah. So this was that, like I think. Maybe the vision going in was like, let's take Black Thought in the Salam Remy state of mind and blow it up pop poppier, mm-hmm. uh, and and a poppier soul sound. But to your point, it doesn't thump like a hip hop album, and the soulfulness 
the mix is weird for the sulfur list because you're not you're not hearing everything you want to be hearing all the time. Mm. Yeah, I keep hearing heads on uh, Twitter <laughs> talking about this the mix of this record. Yeah. I have my own thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about. I mean, it doesn't bother the mix. Doesn't bother me really. Like, uh, I I I like it. I like the album, and I really love Black Thought on it. I think Black Thought yeah. went nuts on this. Like, if you <laughs> hey, if you read read Saltwater, the lyrics for Saltwater. <laughs> Are unfucking believable. Um, it's yeah, he's a, he he really did show up like this is the last shot, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I I respect it. I think it's that alone is a great reason. And there are definitely times when the production lines up, but mm-hmm. Danger Mouse did did not do the better work of the two. Certainly, mm. yeah. I, I also go ahead, Keith. I was gonna say what, like speaking of speak of an example where like a, you know, a producer kind of blew up the sound of of a rapper or kind of made them bigger. What what like what's been what what's a good example of a producer taking a rapper and you know expanding his sound and making him, you know, bigger? Like what LP, an example LP with what Killer we, Mike, okay, the Killer Mike album, that rap yeah. music record, yeah. I'd also yep. argue uh, Salam Remy uh, with the first Fuji's record, and then you know that obviously led to the score, and that was a whole other thing. But yeah, Salam Remy coming in with like the Remix. Nappy Heads remix and that vocab remix pulled them Saved out the of career. the water. Yeah, absolutely. And what and did they do? Well? Like, what made them like? Why did it? Why was it successful? Both of those instances. I would say as far as the Fuji's um Nappy Heads was uh more melodic and more uh contemporary. That was 94. A lot of the stuff on uh the first Fuji's record that flopped uh very much had like a late 92 to 93 kind of East Coast stomp sound, yep. the production, yes. the BPMs were fast. Um the, they're yelling a lot. Yeah, they're, they're like yelling and chanting. They're going into like, really on it. A lot of the uh like the Caribbean influence, the dance hall influence is like super prominent, which makes sense because 92, 93, if you lived in the hood and heard black radio, it was very, very dance hall oriented. So that mm. they were doing this kind of uh fast, hard, stripped down dance hall Jeep beats kind of thing. Salam Remy slowed the tempo down, had that beautiful melodic uh, trumpet sample and gave them a good song, like a, a better version of what they had made. So, you know, it and, it and it aligned more with where rap production was going leading into 94 yeah. and then, you know, 95. Mm. So it, it was a, it was it was bigger, more melodic and it was more contemporary. And and vocab was like a lesser version of that, but vocab was still the shit too. So it was it was a better, more contemporary, bigger version of what they had already done. To put it short, mm. you know, yeah, came with Mike and L. Oh, yeah. No, you go. Oh, no, with, with with Mike and L, it was just like Mike. Mike just never had like solid footing. 
he was always like in the right place at the wrong time or like catch an outcast on you know like the whole world or kryptonite like he but it was like things were always like fleeting yeah. and he was like catching a kite like catching a balloon flying by and it slips through his hands until l came around you know what i mean and then yeah. when, when l gave him that 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 aggression and like the classic throwback styles and then the, the bass it all just kind of merged to have someone being like i got like i know what to do i got you, you just stay in this room don't leave here's the music and that's it you know what i mean and then because l was way bigger than him at the time you know what I mean? yeah right no it, yeah. it I, I Kay, the first thing that came to my mind, and I'd love to hear how people about it, was Swizz Beats and the Locks, right? Mm. So the Locks were on deep. The Locks were on Bad Boy, and you can listen to Money Power Respect. They were just kind of given the same kind of beats other people on Bad Boy were given. They were dressed the same way other people on Bad Boy were dressed. They weren't really allowed to stand out and be who they were. And when Swizz stepped in and it was a bouncy sound, but it was a gritty sound. And and it let Swizz production leaves a lot of space for the MC, right? It's like posse cut music, right? And that was perfect for where the locks wanted to be at that time. They were angry and they wanted to spit. And it, it, it was perfect for that early aughts. Mm. Good steal. Yep. Yeah. All right, man. Zilla is bouncing. Dad stuff is happening. It is what it is. <laughs> Happy for it to pop in. Uh, John, how how did how does that locks thing strike you? Does that make sense? Yeah, I I um it does, yeah, it, it does make sense. And then I would also uh draw back to the Fuji's analogy that I made. Uh Swiss beats very much uh made the locks or gave the locks uh a contemporary sound right for as much as i despised swizz <laughs> when he came out <laughs> in that era and a, a lot of those records yeah. i i appreciated that like the community rocked with that shit and like you know heads are right around blasting that shit all day you know that was cool <laughs> but i didn't like that shit personally right. but it was where the music was going Money, power, respect as, you know, fine enough record as it is, Bad Boy had already ruled the world with that sound. And we were moving into something different. You know what I mean? So I think that um, a lot of, you know, I don't uh, produce records for big rappers or whatever, uh, but I think that a lot of what uh, it takes to be successful in doing that is anticipating what's about to happen like if you listen to i don't want to get too far off but if you listen to Aaliyah's record one in a million right yep every good song on that that's 1996 every good song on that album you see two names tim mosley and missy elliott right so there are other producers that did songs on that uh, album, but they were giving you what had already happened in R&B in 94, mm. 95. Missy and Timbaland were anticipating the end of the decade. So it's a lot of it's a lot of that uh, being able to kind of be uh, forward thinking and ahead of the curve. Right. Right. 
and and sometimes Kay, I think you need to link with the person that makes the music you want to be, right? Like, so think of Nas and Hip Boy, right? There was a lot of question about should Nas be working with Hip Boy? Is this the best? Nas is very rich. <laughs> and so he wanted to spit over very rich sounding production, yeah. right? He wants to drive a Rolls Royce. It makes sense. He's rich. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and so he wanted the richness in his production. Uh, and I think he sought that out. You know, people blame Hip Boy, but Hip Boy is just Hip Boy. Hip Boy's doing what he does. Yeah. Right. But Nas wanted, you know. I think a lot of that too was literally, uh, I'm 42, right? I think a lot of that was people in my age bracket seeing the name Hit Boy. <laughs> and being like, no, <laughs> impossible. <laughs> Who do you think did their collab better? Uh, Hit Boy and Nas or Black Thought and Danger Mouse? Definitely Hit Boy and Nas. Definitely Hit Boy and Nas. I, I think that um, Black Thought and Danger Mouse are growing a, a friendship. I just watched uh, they were on uh, Sway's show. Just oh. like for 50 minutes just like talking about uh this record and everything and black thought mentioned that um i mean it might have been uh danger mouse said that uh black thought would come over to danger mouse's apartment and they would just work on stuff before black thought had to go you know to his his gig at the yep. tonight show yep. and he said that it felt like they were two kids just in an apartment working on something that's, that's dope, dope. Nas and Hit Boy have years and years of doing that thing. So mm -hmm. I think that Nas and Hit Boy have hit uh, a really nice stride, even though musically I don't like everything that they do together, right. which is fine. I think that the highs are fucking magnificent. And if you would have told me 15, 16 years ago, that uh, Nas will be making the kind of records that he's making now with a young producer. I, I don't know how I would have, I'd have been like, Oh, word. Like I, it would have been a, a surprise. It's like a pleasant surprise to see him operating at that level. So I absolutely think that Nas and hit boy uh, are beating out danger mouse and black thought, but that's also because they don't have the time in that, uh, that as collaborators that Nas and hit boy have. Awesome. Thank you for spelling that out, John. I, I, we, you, Kay, you remember when we did our King first King's disease episode, right? right. King's disease. I said, I don't love this album, but I want them to make another one. Mm -hmm. I think the next one will be better. That was what I said. I mean, yeah, he did. What people don't realize is that the chemistry doesn't come together instantly. Right. right? The team has to play together for a while and it has to work. So Danger Mouse is smart, like a smart person. So I, there's no way Danger Mouse has got a lot of notes about the reaction, I'm sure, and about what, mm -hmm. what how they would game plan next time, right? Uh, I, I, th I think they should keep making these albums together. Um, and I think they should work out the kinks of how they want to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, with all of the uh, things that I didn't like about this record, 
considering all the things that I did like about it, I had that thought immediately as well. Like they, it ended and I was like, okay, that was cool. What are y'all going to do next? I would like to see y'all work together next. So I do think that there's something about uh, this, this, uh, this kind of like cinematic, it's like you, you don't know if uh, he's bringing in musicians or if there's like chopped up samples or, you know, he's bridging uh, the gap between the two of them. There's something about this sound uh, that kind of works for me with Black Thought. And I'm like, OK, if y'all, you know, fuck with each other and the chemistry's cool, make another record together. But I also would take another Salam Remy one or, you know, a Ninth Wonder one. You know, I'm 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 open to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, okay, I spent a lot of time because I've never lived in Philadelphia. I spent a lot of time arguing about the roots and arguing, <laughs> arguing about, uh, yeah. like, what, like, people were like, man, the roots are amazing and Black Dust one of the best ever. I'm like, then why are the albums sometimes amazing and sometimes terrible? What is going on? Like, why are they so all over the place? Right? Um, why is the quality range so vast? So, like, w- there was always a sense of we haven't gotten the Black Thought album we wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a sense of that. And I, this isn't the Black Thought album I wanted, but I feel like it's closer than we've ever been to what I wanted out of a Black Thought album. And what do you want out of a Black Thought album? Uh, so, he was given free range to control the kind of dynamics and framework of like the space, I'm just going to spit. Right. Uh, It, it, this feels like a collaboration between two people. It doesn't feel like quest love explaining a vision to him. If that makes sense. Mm. I don't want to speak ill of quest love. I think I just say quest love has a certain sparseness to the sound that feels dry, tr- like Trisket dry at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, what was the Al Green album that he produced? Shit, um, I can't think of the the name of it, but yeah, I'm I'm yeah. familiar. I'm familiar. And it, that's a, I mean, Al Green's great on it, but it's kind of minimal, dry, Questlove, and I was like, man. Like, if you love Al Green, you want that, like, high records, mm. that loaded orchestration that they were all about. I don't want this, you know, the stuff. So I think there was a little more richness here uh, in some, in, in the soul, in, like, the, the feature selection was really interesting to have, like, mm-hmm. Conway and all these different people. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great start. And I think Black Thought is in a really good place. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's interesting um, when you, you said uh, the the album that, that uh, this wasn't the album that you wanted uh, from Black Thought. And it, it's, I was thinking about this earlier today and I was like, yo, the Streams of Thought records, I thought, had uh some really dope shit and then some shit that was i was just like whatever about but i thought those were it quote unquote you know what i mean oh wow that's cool 
Yeah. So, you know, a lot of this, I, I feel like if you really, especially me being from Philadelphia, I'm, I'm biased. I think if you looked at the roots uh, career arc and, and trajectory over the years, if you, you take the early nineties into the, the full nineties run organics, do you want more Philadelphia half-life into uh, things fall apart? If you cut it off right there, uh, black thought and, and the roots, they get a statue in Philadelphia, right? If you take the two thousands records from phrenology, up to uh, 2008 was rising down. And in 2009, they joined uh, the Jimmy Fallon show. And that's, you know, a, a, another era cut off. He's in the Hall of Fame at that point. From the, the 2010s up until uh, that Funkmaster Flex freestyle in 2017, you could, you could take just that body of work and look at this guy like, yo, this is somebody who's like one of the illest that's ever done it. So when when streams of thought and then it is interesting because uh, the Funk Flex freestyle was December 13th. I think he did it the 13th and he uploaded it the 14th. And then six months later, we got a Black Thought solo record. So I, I absolutely think that the heat behind the uh, the freestyle kind of pushed him like, okay, I have to put out a record. And I say all this to say that I think that Streams of Thought and all of these records, in addition to being an exercise in creativity, I think that he's intentionally trying to solidify his legacy, right? You think about a ball player who, you know, uh, was in the was in the All Star game every week and or every week, Jesus, uh, in the All Star game every <laughs> year. Yeah. And, you know, um, had like a dope career, maybe towards the end or, you know, as they get older, they're like, okay, how can I get on a team and get a ring to solidify this legacy? Legacy. Right. That's how I look at these records. Like, okay, he knows that he's ill. He's been in the room with other motherfuckers rhyming and he's he knows, you know, this MC or that MC may be regarded higher than me, but I know I can outwrap this motherfucker. Let me prove it on records using the metric that, you know, most folks judge having a solo body of work. So I think that's what we're seeing here. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm giving y'all records so that when I do finally hang this up or when I go in the grave or whatever happens, nobody can deny my place in the pantheon. So That's to speak, a, that makes sense. So it's like absolutely. That's a whether great point. Six, whether we're a six seed or a three seed, I'm scoring thirty a night. You can't say it any other way, right? <laughs> absolutely. Like, I'm I'm gonna take us as far as it can take us, but I'm thirty a night either way. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, sense. you're right. I mean, because I, I I do notice that like in modern times now, people are really, particularly artists. You see it with athletes. They're really concerned about their legacy in a way that I would say previous generations weren't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like previous generations, there it was maybe more like, you know, you know, I want to be the top dog at this moment, but they weren't thinking of their whole career in the way that modern modern artists and athletes are are, are sensitive to. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's definitely a concern. I think it's something um that 
that artists think about um I, I interviewed Black Thought uh for the Believer magazine maybe a year or a year and some change ago. And I asked him, I was like, yo, like, why are you making solo records now? And he he essentially said that uh I don't I don't wanna uh misquote it, but he essentially said that once uh the Funk Master Flex freestyle went really crazy he felt like it was uh, a a chance for him to kind of change perceptions of him and 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 move into he said something to the effect of like uh okay it's time to like step into a new phase and it it makes absolute sense that that freestyle went viral in December and this is somebody who's been on wax since ninety three wow with no solo records. That freestyle goes crazy viral in December. Six months later, he's got a solo record. I think he absolutely felt that that heat and was like, okay, I have to prove to y'all, you know, who I am and, and what my legacy is gonna be. That makes sense. Took action. I mean, yeah. I would I was thinking about other albums, like where cheat codes could fit in for me in in like my listening. And I was thinking about Q-Tips the Renaissance. Mm. Uh, Q-Tips the Renaissance is a really good album, yeah. a fun album, and it gave me a new way to hear Q-Tip away from Tribe Called Quest. Uh, and maybe Cheat Codes can be that. I mean, it's because of the pure, beautiful inventiveness of some of these, you know, some of these ways of expressing yourself, Viola Lupita's oh, joint party lights lit the Harlem nights, peas and rice made a Judas out of Garveyites. <laughs> I mean, oh, um, gang gang like Billy Bathgate, like he was just like, there's things I've just never heard anyone say before, and there were moments, playful moments. And images that I just was like, wow, black thoughts. Like, um, yeah, we took shoestrings, lemon drops, and chips from the deli, you know, knocked them out the box with the spinner tops and skelly. skelly. Like, <laughs> absolutely. That's a really cool moment for me. Yeah. Absolutely. I, as you said, they're, they're just some, they're moments of, they're glimmers of potential. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's just so many moments, like, as I said, I'm not necessarily like the biggest fan of the album, but as uh, you know, Aquamarine, like the, I thought there in the last half, particularly of the album, there were glimmers of potential and there were like some really, I, I guess you could say very sparkling moments. Uh, it, uh, uh, like, like you said, like, I mean, the, the lines you were quoting were just, mm-hmm. I mean, particularly that last track, was my favorite favorite track on the whole album. Yep, Violas and Lapitas, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's very unapologetically like deeply pro-black, right? In that kind of like, not like I'm pro, there's a lot of like I've been pro-black for five years now and I'm serious, you know? There's a lot of that <laughs> out yeah. there right now. Uh, this is like someone who's been this for their life. And they're telling you what's in their heart. It's it's beautiful. It's interesting uh, you said that because um 
there was another, I think it was in uh, Variety. I was reading an interview um, maybe a, maybe two years after uh, the first Streams of Thought. And the interviewer also asked him, like, yo, why are you making solo records? And he specifically, it was surprising because it was, it was different from the answer that he gave me. Uh, but he, he specifically pointed to uh, Black Lives Matter as a social political movement, as something that he felt like opened up space for him to say what he wanted to say through, you know, those uh, those solo records. So I thought that was interesting because you don't necessarily uh, think of Black Thought as like a political MC, quote unquote. Mm. I think I think all rap is political, but you don't necessarily think of him as somebody, uh, an MC who's politically oriented, but for him to specifically point to a political movement and a social movement as um, the catalyst to kind of open him up to make solo music, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was interesting to hear him actually say that. Absolutely, because I, I think it allowed him to, you know, play both lanes. He was able to, you know, say what he was feeling, but at the same time, be i guess you could say acceptable enough to keep his day job you know what i mean and the two not conflicting or night job i guess you could say yeah. um you know what i mean like those two you know you can have black thought on jimmy fallon and black thought you know rapping and the two images don't contrast each other right i mean you can what i was contrasting in my head was common and black thought and I'm mm. like, the, the subject matter isn't that different. It's that Black Thought doesn't have any of the pretense. Black Thought is is a very kind of, you know, Philly lunch pail, like, I'm here to work. And, and when Black Thought says something serious, he doesn't really change his voice to make it sound more important. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's not like, girl, I would fold your laundry. You know, he doesn't like <laughs> uh, shout out to the J. Cole mafia out there. But like the like the pretense is such a part of the definition of a conscious rapper. It's mm. such it's woven in there. Like yeah. uh that, common common feels like he's rapping at the White House and nowhere <laughs> and nowhere else. With the slow clap happening every yeah. song, yeah. and I and I I adore Common from the first record. Like I love Common, yeah. but yeah, this this ain't that. This has no. more. Yeah, Black Thor has has infinitely more uh, like edginess to what he's saying. Yeah, right. But he's but he's coming from the similar perspective. Saltwater is such a beautiful song in terms of just speaking directly. Uh, to to people on the street and being like, stop, it. you know, uh, you hit that lick and switch to a new motif in a whip with two low seats and new gold teeth. You say you want to live fast, getting paid in cash, buffing the most gas, die in a car crash. You never learn math in school. You cut class, so you can't count what's in the clip. You just blast. I feel your mind spinning in place <laughs> and just buffering. All you trying to see is someplace and less suffering like it it is conscious it's very conscious rap yeah it's just, he he's just a person it, you feel like you know black thought in a way that you don't you could 
like if I met Black Thought, I wouldn't be like, oh, like he doesn't feel like a superstar. Yeah. Even though he is. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just a guy. Right. The supremely <laughs> fucking talented guy. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think that and that that lunch pail uh like relatability works for and against Black Thought, right? Because the what the gravitas brings you to a new income bracket, you know? Um uh, and there is some gravitas on here where it's like I taught you how to listen to Philly rap and yes. Uh but that's that that's a part of this and it's part of selling I am bigger than you guys understand. Mm. I think. But mm. interesting enough, John, Roots albums, if I reach for one Roots album, <laughs> this is gonna sound blasphemous. Yeah, it's uh 2010. How I got over? Yes. Ah, okay. How I got over is my favorite. It is in terms of it's just most fun listening experience. Like, that record is- surprised me when it came out too. I remember um <laughs> a homeboy of mine uh was working as a runner for Live Nation. So they had the Roots Picnic the year uh, How I Got Over it came out. So my homeboy hooked me up. I brought a date and we like got to watch the entire show on stage and then like the VIP shits and like seeing them up close perform those songs from that record gave me uh, I thought it was cool when it came out, but it, it gave me uh, I don't know, some some kind of other intangible good feeling about the record i think i think how how i got over is definitely is definitely better than undone and and then you shoot your cousin it's it's the best of that uh later uh uh kind of chunk of roots records post uh 2010 and then post 2010 oh john what what's the one that you reached for Oh, absolutely. Um, Philadelphia Half-Life. So Philadelphia Half-Life has a lot of uh, personal resonance for me. Um, It came out in 1996. Don't don't kill me for (laughs) fucking up the the year. But um, (laughs) it came out in 1996. I was 16 years old. Uh, Malik B, rest in peace, actually grew up in my neighborhood. So, like, if you if you go to my mom's crib right now and you stand on my mom's back step and you look over across the yard, Malik B's mom's house is right there, right? Oh. So, you know, I would hang on their block. I would hang with Malik. He would play me, like, beats and stuff that they were working on. Uh, me and my rhyme partner at the time, uh, my man Tommy, we would like cipher with Malik and that album Mars co-op is on it. Uh, uh, Malik and black thought are going crazy on it. Bahamadia is on it. That album encapsulates my teenage years in Philly, in Philly's hip hop scene. So it very much feels like what it felt like going in different neighborhoods, battling different kids and like rhyming and stuff like that. It has that sound. And, you know, 
at the time they were reaching for more of a uh kind of like underground hip hop kind of sound they were uh you know chopping up samples and and rhyming over Ooh. beats it was different texturally and sonically than organics and do you want more which was more like live playing had more of the uh kind of like improv and like flowery jazz kind of sound to it you got uh cassandra wilson singing on it and you know steve coleman playing the saxophone Philadelphia half-life was none of that Philadelphia half-life was like hardcore hip-hop i won't say none of that because i think uh cassandra wilson is on that record but either way that was like a hardcore rap record so that's the one that's the one for me Philadelphia half-life yeah and i think most people from the 90s k will pick the one after it things fall apart because it's more it's more rich and poppier and all that but i i couldn't get enough of illadelf half-life when i revisited the discography because it's one of those albums like mob deep's hell on earth where you can feel like they they're pissed they're in a bad place right and you're like when you when you're like listening to these giant-sized brilliant people go through adversity and like work mm. it out it, it's unbelievable so half-life is that record for me i think of it as like they were pissed they were pissed at where hip-hop was they were pissed at where they were uh in the greater scope of it uh and they wanted to prove a point so i dig it mm. the, the, uh, cheat codes is something to build on i really i really enjoy it it will be in my end of your list because you can't duplicate what Black Thought does. You just no. can't. Uh, but if they want to really make soulful Black Thought albums with Danger Mouse, I have a suggestion. Okay? Mm. I think Danger Mouse should bring in a live band to work with. And I think it be, should be Duran Jones and the Indications. Hmm. A very specific <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> I love Man. Duran Jones and the yeah. indications. They have multiple people with, with different voices and good singing. They have a great drummer who really hits. Uh, I think they could bring the thickness and flavor that's that people are talking about missing. Mm. Yeah, I would say like, because what would be the difference between him working with the Roots and him working with Duran Jones and uh, Danger Mouse? So the like, so think about the difference between Amy Winehouse before Back in Black and Amy Winehouse with with the Daptones crew. Like, that was the Daptones crew that gave that album that sound, mm-hmm. uh, as far as I know. It's texture. And yeah, it's a texture. It's a feel. As like my, as my buddy Derek said, like, s- great soul is something you just know when you hear. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's like it hit. You're just like you're transport. You know, it and uh, Duran Jones to me are the best soul band going right now. Like that's that's just my opinion. Uh, <laughs> but I would love to see them work that out, and because a live band component would would liven things up so the music was moving uh, mm. and it and it should be a soul band because that 
that's what they want to do together, right? That's clearly their common language. <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, do you have any suggestions for the next album, John Morrison? Or, um, hmm. I have suggestions for the next uh, Roots record, not do necessarily it. for for the next uh, Black Thought and Danger Mouse record. Mm-hmm. I just I want the next Roots record to have more color and joy in it. I found, yeah, I've, I found Undone uh, and and then you shoot your cousin to be just like sad mm-hmm. Ray records. You know what I mean? And like, there's a place for that. You know what I'm saying? But like, I want something that feels like a heartbeat and something that feels alive. I, when uh, a few years ago, when Stro Elliott joined the band, I was excited because like Stro, you know, he makes like he makes he makes records that I play in clubs. You know what I mean? Shit that like feels good. Mm-hmm. And it has like an uplifting quality. That's what I want. I want an, I want a not dark roots record. That's oh, what I want. The great point. That's, a, that's absolutely a great point. And yeah. I'm into that. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's completely possible. I mean, look at the place yeah. they're in. Like, you know, Questlove is an Oscar winner. Come on. They have, like, you know, sta- a stable job as, on one of the premier late night shows. So, you know, they should be in, like, a joyous place right now. Yeah. There. Y'all are rich. I'm assuming y'all having fun. Yeah. Right. Let us let us have fun, too. Shit. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, would you rather hear another Danger Mouse album with Black Thought or another Roots record? I I'd be I'd be interested to see what they learned from this album. Yeah. Particularly Danger Mouse. And you know, I I I'm always one to see, you know, like if 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 you know if the artist has learned their lesson from their past experience and I love I love to see the growth in collaborations. Um. So yeah, just for intrigue's sake, I would be interested in hearing more of, and I, and I feel like it, it's something that they could whip out. I like I don't know how long this album took to come together, but you know the way the way that Black Thought is rapping right now, I feel like it's the the lyrics are flowing to him. So I bet they could t- the turnaround for the next project would wouldn't be really wouldn't be that long. I think, yeah, because I, I think he's in that zone. Like you hear the lyrics on this album, he's in that zone where it's the the, the words are just coming to him. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, have any final thoughts before we go into recommendation corner? Recommend some albums and, and wrap up. I'm good. I'm good. No thoughts for me. Eh? I'm good. No, no thoughts so, for me either. Recommendation corner. Let me start. With some strong Australian folk, uh, <laughs> we've got Stella Donnelly, Flood. I love Stella Donnelly. Uh, so happy the new album came out. Uh, it's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's really fun. So doing that, we uh, have the rap album. Teller Banks and Ed Glorious released the I and I which is the last album of their trilogy. 
part and parcel was his last one last year. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, the grotesque and the beautiful was the first one. So uh, I would love to have him on to talk about the trilogy. I think it's been an incredible thing. And this one's great. Uh, they have a real good running kind of relationship where the beats just get something out of Teller. So it's great. Mm. Yep. Okay. Is it on me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, recommendations. I'm, I'm old school. So I still use this uh, kind of like iTunes. I guess it's the Apple music thing. I'm scrolling <laughs> through my new shit that I got. Uh, yeah. Shrapnel. Uh, metal Ooh, lung metal lung is crazy uh psalm one i think actually comes out friday but uh psalm one and custom made uh their album big perm is really fucking dope uh oh. yeah it's a, it's a lot of dope shit you know big so, perm. I, I i got to listen to it early as well yeah uh, and i'm just struck by how good psalm one has become at hooks it's like it's a One fun the, record. It was always her strength, but mm-hmm. like I just feel like she's worked on her strength, and she's now just amazing at hooks. Like yeah. I just love all her choruses. Yeah, it's a fun record. It's a fun album, but it's it deals with real shit. Like that's right. That's, yeah. Yep, that's great. Okay, you have uh, you have any recommendations? Oh man, um. Music-wise, no, but, I mean, TV-wise, I just finished uh, the rehearsal on HBO. Uh, oh, cool. Which I, which I really enjoyed. Um, but I'm, I'm looking, looking forward to that Psalm 1, though. Uh, she, we had her on a couple of weeks ago, and she, she was great. Nice. She was awesome. Yeah. Okay, my, my son has discovered Justin Bieber. And I don't know. <laughs> like he's he's always maintained he doesn't like soul music. He doesn't love soul music. And then he puts he's like, Daddy, I want you to hear this great song. And it's Peaches with Givian oh, and Daniel awesome. Chaser. And I'm like, you know that this is that's a great song. Actually, R and B, sir. Uh, you're gonna have to come to grips with it. Oh, <laughs> he's being. My hope is that he's being Elvis into R and B. Maybe he'll like. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, Maybe man. people will teach him how to listen to Ari Lennox. I don't know. <laughs> uh, crazy, crazy stuff. But I'm we're trying to be mature about it and not shit all over it. But we'll look at Bieber's got some hits. Don't I mean? Great voice. I I can't I can't knock the voice. I think the voice is good. I just he's like, can we put this in the car and me and my wife? Are <laughs> Not gonna do it, uh, but yeah, back to school, people. Uh, yeah, oh, plugs. I don't do any plugs. I'm back. Go to patreon.com backslash free music empire. Moving away from WordPress, uh, having subscription stuff through WordPress is like having an email with like an AOL account. It was like <laughs> real old school. Uh, so I, I finally went way to move to Patreon. My subscribers are awesome. They're moving over, um, you know, jumping in. So I'm very happy to to start 
transitioning that. I'm not leaving the WordPress. I'll still have like the free stuff on WordPress, uh, but subscriber stuff will move to that space and it'll be so much easier for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Read John Morrison. You're still writing for Bandcamp. You're still writing for where else? I, I write, <laughs> write a lot of places. Um, yeah, Bandcamp Daily, uh, The Wire, uh, NPR Music. Uh, you know, I'm out here. Follow John Morrison on the social media. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tell Amber Rose that he's great. You know, uh, <laughs> she knows already, but she knows. <laughs> what am I? Doing? Uh, but yeah, thank you all for listening, everybody, and for supporting, uh, you know, R.I.P. Kelly Lewis. Thank you for everything. Uh,